Is there an afterlife? What would it be like? Is there a soul separate from our body? Find out on this episode of the Transcendental Club. Transcendental Club podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Nolan. I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about afterlife and questions regarding the afterlife. And before we get started, I just want to take the time to say that everything we discuss in this episode is not meant to be offensive to any person or their religion at all. Uh, We're just discussing different ideas that we have in our personal opinions, and we're not actually saying whether one religion is right or wrong okay so the big first question is is there an afterlife i can start i guess i guess what i my perspective on it would kind of be take the occam's razor perspective of that the simplest answer is usually the right one or at least in my opinion is the right one so i feel like if an organism were to die i feel like the most simple answer would be that all that really happens is that it gets reabsorbed into the earth via like you know, energy recycling or whatever. And I feel like saying that either the, like the soul or whatever goes to an afterlife or like a part of the body does, I feel like that would be, I feel like that disregards Occam's razor in that sense. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like, I don't know, I, I don't really like to take a stance one way or the other, but I just think generally the idea that like humans are inherently special just because we feel like we are. So there has to be an afterlife. Like we can't just, exist and then nothing if that makes sense i feel like that's sort of a like naive like human-centric perspective on it like i think it's more likely that there's not an afterlife my own opinion and that uh matter organizes and your consciousness emerges and obviously when you are conscious you think all of your emotions are important your existence in the universe is incredible when really you're just another physical phenomenon and as you get older your body tends towards higher entropy and you sort of decay and then once you die, your consciousness goes away. I think it's a little bit, um, I don't really know what the right word would be, I guess, but it's a little bit narcissistic, I guess, to think that, oh, humans must be special in some way because we feel special. So there has to be some kind of afterlife uh, when we're gone. No, I'm just going to go ahead and say it and say that all dogs go to heaven. Uh, yes. Um, that humans aren't special, but dogs are, and so <laughs> are other pets. Uh, but anyway, um, my, I mean... <laughs> I always go with the root of just saying that there's no way of really knowing, obviously. I I personally tend to lean towards no, but uh, the, I mean, I may be completely wrong. I mean, there's the stories about people with near-death experiences where they uh, see they see faces and they even have like experiences talking with either a loved one or the whole uh, light at the end of the tunnel, I mean, that can be explained by anoxia and lack of oxygen to the brain or the brain trying to calm the person down as they're dying. But also, who knows, maybe maybe there's the people who actually died in surgery and came back and they had the experiences too. So it, it, I think it's hard to tell, but I personally, I lean towards no, and I agree with what both Ben and Nolan said that just it's the simplest answer is tends to be the right one in a lot of cases and 
the simplest is no. If there is one, it's uh, I'll get into what I think it looks like later. But yeah, yeah, I kind of take um I take Mark Twain's side on this, which I think the quote he had was um I was dead for billions of years and I, I never suffered the slightest inconvenience until I was born. And to me, that was just sort of like you have been dead, if that makes sense. Like you've been dead for millions of years. Like your consciousness emerges as a product of your physical existence, and then once you your body begins to decay, it goes away. And I will say, just because I was talking about entropy before, I think that from a scientific perspective, it makes more sense that there wouldn't be an afterlife because we're already in an extremely high, or sorry, excuse me, extremely low entropy state. Like obviously our bodies are highly organized and we're very um, sophisticated beings. And I think obviously as you get older, your body starts to break down and you your body becomes more chaotic and your systems lose control over your physical uh, capabilities. And then obviously you die. And I think at that point, you go back to higher entropy and you basically, your body begins to decay even more so like into the ground and stuff. And I know that's a little bit disconnected from the point we're trying to get at, but I think it's kind of unlikely that we somehow, our body is decaying and moving towards higher entropy. And then all of a sudden, once you die, you go to some extremely low entropy afterlife where there's high organization and you still have your consciousness. I just think if you're looking at the timeline of like, a person's life i think that doesn't really make sense that you would just like be decaying and then all of a sudden you jump to some highly organized system hmm. yeah I, nick i know that you mentioned there's no real way to determine whether it's real or not and i feel like that kind of gets at the whole like you know scientific method and the process behind it and like i guess it's a similar argument with being like an atheist versus an agnostic where if you really use a scientific method, you can't you can't really ever call yourself an atheist because in order to do so would mean that you have disproved every religion, which is impossible to do because you know all you can you can't you you can't disprove something existing, whereas you can prove something like I, I don't know how to explain it. Well, I'm doing it terribly, but it's impossible to disprove. An yeah, you can't prove a negative. Like you can't say. Well, there's no evidence of the afterlife, so objectively it doesn't exist. Like that's not how science works. You can say it could exist, but as of now, we're gonna go about as if it doesn't because we have no evidence of its existence. Right. Yeah, and I also think that like who's to say that the afterlife isn't a completely different dimension and maybe that's where all the uh going back to the alien episode, maybe that's where all the species that can perceive higher dimensions are just like the souls of humans or something <laughs> and other creatures but like i just think that there's a pro if there is an afterlife there's probably a good chance that we'll never actually be able to understand it and perceive what it actually is it could be different plane of existence different universe something that happens with the i guess the soul of the human or creature that could completely move to a different plane of existence in a way so um, I think it's it's we're never going to be able to actually know. Yeah, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent kind of connecting to what you said. I'm trying to go too deep with this because it's a lot more complicated than I want to make it. I know I've talked with you guys about, since I love physics so much, that um, like the many worlds interpretation in physics is basically like, if you think of like Schrodinger's cat, it's the concept that the cat isn't dead and alive. It's There's a universe where it's dead and there's a universe where it's alive, but they both exist essentially in like separate dimensions and they branch off from each other. And I think that that sort of provides a connection to when you were saying like the afterlife could exist just in a dimension that we can't perceive. I think that would be sort of evidence for that, that like there are all these dimensions and these uh, universes that do exist. 
but we're three-dimensional beings in our like little space-time that we have in our universe, so we wouldn't be able to perceive something uh, beyond that capacity that we have to understand that. So I think that's sort of evidence for like us just not being able to perceive it, whether it does exist or not. This is starting to turn into like what we think the afterlife could look like, so I, I actually have a few ideas, and uh, I'm going to do it one at a time because there's other... I have a few, but uh, <laughs> what what I want to believe and what I would want it to be or and what it actually could be are uh, two completely different things. Um, so like part of me wants it to be reincarnation. And I know I sent you guys the uh, video of, I really don't think I pronounce it right, but Kurzgesit <laughs> narrating the egg uh, short story by Andy Weir, the guy who wrote The Martian. And basically, it turns out that every single person who has ever lived is a single entity um, who's experienced every single thing that these people, that the humans on Earth have, and all creatures, I believe. And so, and at the end, it turns out to be when everything has been experienced, everything has been learned, the entity is reborn as a god of sorts. And I really, I mean, it might just, that's like, one of my favorite um, ideas, I guess, one of my favorite stories about it. And while I really like it, part of me always wants there to be some kind of like, I guess, heaven of sorts where I can meet my ancestors and uh, descendants. So that I guess that's like one idea of what it could look like. Well, that's two ideas of what it could look like, reincarnation and heaven. And reincarnation is interesting to me because it's also like the uh, recycling of energy and matter in a way so who's to say that we haven't understood it yet but who's to say that consciousness and uh i guess the soul couldn't be recycled as well yeah i think that is probably the most likely way at least in my opinion that it would function in that way um because that sort of to me falls in line with like conservation of energy and conservation of mass that it would make sense that you would like cycle back into a different form I'll go down the rabbit hole a little bit here. Um, I don't know if you guys are Joe Rogan fans or not, but he talks a lot about um, DMT, which is like and like hallucinogenic drug. And I remember one time he was describing it as like if you were facing forward and there was a whole another reality behind you and you turned around and got to look at it, like he describes the visions you have as being along those lines. And I just think that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, that we evolve as creatures that perceive a three-dimensional uh, space because that's the way we can serve best survive. But I think maybe like certain chemicals can stimulate something in the brain that allows us to perceive like a higher level dimension than we normally can. So I think that's sort of an interesting way of looking at there might be something bigger, like all around us in a way that we just can't perceive. And it could be like the afterlife is just sort of shifting into a position like that or something. So that's kind of not really connected to what you were saying, Nick, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that actually kind of reminds me of the second, well, I guess actually the third idea of what an afterlife could look like. And it's like the idea of there being souls that continue to inhabit the material world in a way. And I remember when I was younger, there was a book and it turned got turned into a movie that I liked. It was called Paranorman. And basically it was like this boy who could see all the ghosts of people who had uh, died in the town where he was it was like a town with um uh, the witch trials and stuff i don't think it was actually salem but anyway so like that was like a really really interesting idea to me that everyone who died 
continues to just live on in the same way that they would have anyway, except they can see each other, but humans cannot. And that's similar to what you were saying, Nolan, where like it could be a completely higher dimension that's living around us, but we would have no idea that they are. Uh, maybe not even a dimension, but some kind of like other plane. I don't know, but it, it, I always like that idea. And I, I just feel like it would make sense or it would be a possibility that that could happen. But I think it would be hard to justify it because at least as of what we understand, there would be no real way to have cognitive ability or nervous system preserved in just a spirit form. Or maybe there is a way that could just be transferred to another dimension or some plane that we can't perceive. Yeah, I was going to say, related to that, I kind of like the, um, I guess I'll say the Buddhist perspective that like, they sort of present like a timeline, like you, how you start as something like a lower level organism and you sort of like graduate, I guess I could be, I mean, I don't know much about Buddhism. I could be completely spewing nonsense here, but I think it's sort of like, that makes the most sense to me, I guess, that you would start as a small organism, like a bacterium or something, and you would sort of graduate to higher levels of consciousness. Because obviously we know that like certain animals have more of a consciousness than others. Like, I think it's fair to say like a chimpanzee has a consciousness closer to humans, whereas like a bacterium doesn't have any consciousness at all. And I think it's, that makes the most sense to me that you would sort of like graduate from like, you would move up the ranks of organisms and you'd have higher level uh, consciousness and whatnot. And then maybe when you do die as a human, you sort of like, maybe that's the last stage, I guess. And then you sort of move on to like higher dimensions or something like you were saying that like the same spirit continues on in a different dimension and it's something that humans can't perceive or understand but it does happen and that to me that sort of makes sense to establish like a clear i don't want to call it a timeline but a clear path that like your soul kind of takes and moves on to higher levels yeah and i just have one thing to add to that because it's buddhism and um, i know that the buddhists have two types of ghosts included in their reincarnation cycle and the ones that they call hungry ghosts i mean this has this dives into karma and stuff but the hungry ghosts are the ones who work to resolve the bad karma. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but the devas are the ghosts that can uh, live a peaceful and good life uh, while they occupy an overlapping plane or an overlapping world. And I just thought that was really interesting because that's actually kind of similar to what we've been saying. And it's something that has existed in Buddhism for centuries. And I mean, I, pers I personally really like that theory yeah, I just thought it's kind of tricky to put it in terms of a timeline because we clearly don't maintain consciousness going if if we go by the Buddhist ideas, we clearly don't maintain consciousness going from organism to organism because I don't remember being an ant or whatever. So, um, I don't think I do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, it'll hit you someday. But so, yeah, in my forties. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like um. In that case, it'd be kind of it's kind of weird to label it as a, a single soul going through a timeline if the soul itself kind of you know reforgets everything between each um, between each like cycle of that or each stage. I mean, that's why I like the egg explanation that it's one entity occupying every single person who has ever lived, every single creature that has lived, and they're just working to reach a higher level of consciousness. So yeah, we'll move on to question four. Um, which is what are the implications of an immortal society? And um, 
I wanted to start this one actually, um, if you don't mind. And and Nick, I know you were talking about the Curtis Cassette videos before. Um, and they do one that I like. Um, they call it I think optimistic nihilism, which mm-hmm. is that and they basically say like their videos give you existential dread. I think they call it, and they say like yeah, it makes you feel insignificant in like the grand scale of the cosmos and whatnot. It feels like you don't matter. But they say basically like if there's no like higher being, if it's just that you exist as a physical system in the universe, you can basically define your own meaning in the universe and you can like try to live a good life and help the lives of others and just like exist as best as you can in the time you do have. And I think an immortal society, at least to me, kind of gets rid of that because in a way there's no incentive to be a good person, if that makes sense. Like I do think your mortality kind of makes your life matter. Like you sort of have to live with the fact hanging over your head that you are in fact going to die and at least we are. I don't know about the future, but um, not me. That we're, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I feel like it sort of removes an incentive to be a good person, live a good life, because it's like, okay, well, I can do whatever I want in the moment. I'm never gonna die, so I might as well, um, just sort of keep doing what I feel like, and maybe I'll get to do a good thing later. But it's not like I'm running out of time. I didn't really phrase that well, but because it's like, you have yeah. no incentive to live a good life because you take for granted the time you're given. Yeah, that's that actually leads into two of the points I was thinking of. Um, I mean, morality being thrown out of the window, and uh, this reminded me of the TV show book, uh, Altered Carbon, where people can exist in bodies, but they have their consciousness uploaded. So basically, they're just li- their consciousness is living forever in different bodies. And like, first of all, that like people can be murdered and come back to life. They can and stuff like that. And then it's just like people could get away with so much stuff aside from like sure there would be punishments but ultimately they would still be alive and so that's like one thing that morality would just be gone um because there wouldn't be any real punishment like no threat really if you did something horrible and then the other thing that you said Nolan that reminded me of it was that um just being uh immortal uh, would cause uh, it could, I mean, personally, I think it could go one of two ways. It could cause a more efficient society or a less efficient society. If it were more efficient, um, it would be because of the vast experience and knowledge that people would have from living for a long time. But other, I mean, it could go the completely opposite way where people are uh, less efficient because they have no motivation, uh, because they have no time constraints on their lives. So, I mean, the, and I have a lot more to say about immoral societies but i'll cut off there because it's i think there's so many things that could go wrong with it yeah it kind of it's kind of reminding me of i think ricky gervais was talking about this in like <laughs> an interview or something um because i know he's a very he has a very like specific and um i guess like strong opinion on this, all this like afterlife and religion and stuff like that but he was like questioned about like um why he like how he how he like doesn't get depressed or whatever uh based on like feeling like there is no like heaven or whatever and i think i think i think this is ricky gervais i'm pretty sure it is um he was talking about how like that actually makes him like feel less depressed is that he has to make use of the life that he has right now and like if he believed in there being something like you know an afterlife or immortality how he would actually feel less he would actually feel like more depressed in the sense because he because the years he's using right now he wouldn't be making 
and that wouldn't like be as impactful, I guess, or as like as um useful to his existence, I guess. Yeah, I definitely agree that um like the fact that you have a finite amount of time on Earth definitely um ups the ante a little bit, and like you have to do what you want to do in this time. But I do think one thing we didn't address is it's kind of an important distinction between an immortal society where nobody has to die and an immortal society where nobody can die. Like if I think society doesn't change that much if you have people that like can be I guess if you still have things like murder and stuff because there's still sort of the fear of death but I think if you literally live in a society where this doesn't really like make sense biologically or whatever but where people are literally like invincible for lack of a better term I think you get to a point where everyone completely forgets that death exists and even you look further into the future there's going to be there's probably obviously going to be records of people dying and stuff from history but you get to a point where people don't believe those, if that makes sense. Like, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but we definitely have things in the world right now that, like, used to happen that we don't even, like, believe in anymore. You know what I mean? It turns like, into to... mythology. Yeah, so I think that's where you really get into some, like, interesting stuff that you could have a society that would, one, basically have no incentive to do anything because if they're just not going to die, they can basically just live for pleasure and do whatever they want. I just I was just gonna add that I think that like time is like the most valuable like asset we have in our three dimensional world where like you know you can't really make you can't get more of it or make more of it and like I think going back to uh, the points that you guys have made is like like if we had immortality like I feel like nothing would really get done like a lot of like with like jobs and stuff it's like you know you're pressured by a time constraint on a project or whatever and if if there's no like if there's no i guess drive to get stuff done in a certain time period that slowly builds up to you know what you get done in your within your lifetime people are just gonna like not care about you know time time constraints aren't even gonna exist really i feel like that kind of just blows the entire like i want to call it like like economic structure because I guess in terms like I don't know. I feel like time almost runs our economy in that sense, and that it it drives like it drives productivity and um, constructive productivity. I guess really. Um, and so if we like got rid of that, I feel like it would kind of just like <laughs> to ruin the entire economy. I will say that I think we do kind of forget that the there is still an incentive of wanting to improve people's lives. And you might even think of that, that might even be enhanced if you have an immortal society, because basically you're going to be here forever in theory. So you want to make it the best place you can. Um, so you can look at it from the other way and say, like, when everyone, if everyone's immortal, then you're going to like be striving to create a utopia and whatnot. Yeah. And I have a few uh, other implications I just want to add. Um, one would be that uh, there would obviously be some overpopulation. I mean, we're already reaching our uh, carrying capacity and just because we're immortal wouldn't increase our our rate of learning i don't think so i mean and it's not like we can really get easily if it were to happen right now we can easily distribute our population across the solar system or across the galaxy or anything and then uh nolan kind of uh disproved this point that i was going to make was that our culture wouldn't change because everyone would still be alive from the period of time that immortality was reached and i mean we kind of i mean in a way it wouldn't change but what 
exactly what Nolan said about um, how death would become a myth in a way that there wouldn't uh, it, it just like other than that uh, culture could completely change because of that because death isn't constraint anymore. like to show the transcendental club podcast some support consider following us on social media we are at podcast transcend on twitter and at transcendental club on instagram feel free to tweet at us or leave comments about your own thoughts as well as suggestions for future discussion topics also be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening to and head over to apple Podcasts to leave us a review thank you so much for tuning into the transcendental club question do we think there's a soul that's separate from the body yeah i can start off with this so what i think personally is that if there is one i don't know if it's something that we'll ever be able to detect or comprehend going back to the points that we made earlier about the afterlife potentially being on a different plane of existence or dimension or just some sort of other world i guess other universe so that would be like the most logical explanation in my opinion so if there is one we won't be able to know and i was reading about what people theorize about the soul and people believe that it can only exist and function with the body so like as soon as someone dies it also dies with the body and they believe it's like another part of our consciousness that we can't detect so i mean that's an interesting point in my opinion but Hmm. yeah i i probably take a more like unimaginative point of view on it i kind of just feel like we obviously we know very little about our brains i've heard somewhere where like it's weird that we know more about like our like percentage wise we know more about like the universe and our own brains which i think is kind of an interesting i guess like factoid just because like our brains we use to extrapolate to what our brains do which is kind of weird because we're like discovering ourselves anyway i feel like a lot of the what some people consider quote unquote the soul you can kind of just explain by like the brain itself uh and so i guess i take like i said the unimaginative route in saying that i think it's all just kind of the brain and so i don't think there's another like energy or whatever or like aspect to humans after we die yeah i agree i think that it's at least based on the current evidence that we have i think it's a little bit um bit of a reach to say that like oh well there must be some like higher level element of consciousness that's divine in some way that we don't understand i think it's just like you said we don't understand much about the brain so why would we already assume that we wouldn't be able to understand our own consciousness i think it's probably just like a unique physical phenomenon um rather than something divine but i will say that i agree with nick that if you i don't think even like no matter how much we understood the way the universe works or the way matter and energy work i don't think 
if there was like some kind of soul, I don't think we'd ever be able to identify that. Or if there was really something special about our consciousness, I think that would be sort of an intangible characteristic that would be beyond the laws of physics or nature or anything that we can understand. I think like if we were to have like a theory of everything or some sort, if we knew how everything uh, in reality in the universe functioned, I think if the soul was divine in some way, then just having those laws wouldn't enable us to understand it. Yeah. I think your point that like, we wouldn't be able to ever kind of see it or prove it if it did exist. I think that kind of goes back to the whole idea that like, I think we brought up the anal- the analogy with like disproving religion or whatever, where you really can't do it with our current scientific method. So I feel like this may fall under the same kind of umbrella in that sense that it's really more of like an imaginative, imaginative idea and like thought provoking question rather than like one that you can truly answer ever probably yeah i think it's interesting that people are always like sort of i don't want to say assume that there is some kind of soul that all humans have but sort of jump to that because they say like humans are sort of we feel divine like if that makes sense like we all have these complex emotions and these complex existences and we seem like as far as we know at the moment we might be the only form of life in the universe and we i think it's a little bit narcissistic to be like oh well that's we must be divine in some way. We must be like beyond the laws of physics. Like that's why we can't understand our own brain. When in reality, like if you're using like sort of emotion and like the human experience being so profound as part of that, that's kind of like, I feel like refuting your own argument because a lot of that stuff we do know about, like we know like the structure of different hormones, I guess, and like what they do and like why they make us happy or feel sad. Like we understand more about our psychology than we do about our own brain physically. So I think that, if you say like, oh, like the human experience is just too incredible, like it must be divine in some way. I think you can trace that back to something within science that we do understand. And I think the fact that we understand so much of the human experience sort of refutes the idea that it's like inevitably divine in some way and that we could, there's something we would never be able to understand about it. Uh, the thing that I would just want to say is that I don't think that believing in some sort of afterlife would really be narcissistic or ignorant if it's if people believe it in in it the right way because based on what we've been saying about like say that there's a soul within us and within every animal uh anything that's living and as soon as it dies the soul carries on onto another plane of existence or something with that logic if there is other life in the universe they would go through that same process too and we could end up on the same plane as them so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people do end up being pretty ignorant when it comes to believing in an afterlife, thinking that humans are the most superior creatures. I mean, there's a lot of other advantages that animals, other animals have. And plus when it all comes down to everything, we are animals too. So I don't know. I just think I I believe that if there was an afterlife, it wouldn't be just limited to humans and all souls within any living thing if they exist, would go to the same place. Yeah, I think that kind of like the dividing line between what you and I are saying is there's a difference between like a religious afterlife and a scientific afterlife. And I was sort of referring more to the religious one that like, oh, like look how incredible Mm -hmm. humans are. Like look at all the things we accomplish and experience. Like it's so great from our own perspective that there must be something bigger than us. Like, and I'm not saying that it's like morally wrong or something to believe in like a higher power like that. But I think it's a little bit irrational to say just because our lives seem so cool to us, there must be something bigger and better that we're a part of. And I think what you're referring to sort of is more like 
like you said, the conservation of energy and things like that. And that the soul would be a physical property that we might be able to understand someday. And it would just simply move on to something that we don't understand while we're alive. But then maybe when we're dead, that's sort of like, oh, that makes sense to us. So I think there's a difference between having a scientific belief in the afterlife versus having a religious or metaphysical belief in it. What do you guys, I guess it's kind of like a tangent question, but why do you think, do you guys think that a belief in the afterlife is rooted in like fear of death or do you think it's something else? I think it depends on what way you look at it. I mean, I think the whole idea of like there being a heaven is kind of a fear, uh, taking fear into account because that's basically just living on. But when it comes to certain things like reincarnation, I think that's more of like a natural, more of like accepting of what happens and more of like, more of accepting of a cycle than it is anything that has to do with emotions and fear. But I guess you could also make the argument that that is also stemming from fear because just inherently people are afraid of death. And with anything that could justify there being more life after death, I think is just, I mean, it, it just is more comforting. So I think that's actually a good question that you just raised. I don't really like describe it as fear in the way I perceive it. I more describe it as an explanation, which I guess you could sort of construe as fear. But the way I see it is more of, if you want to trace back like human history, I think most civilizations have had some sort of concept of an afterlife. And I don't think that's really rooted in fear rather than it's more two things, I think, which the first is like an explanation for, like think about really, really ancient civilizations. They thought the stars were like, had the heavens and whatnot and the gods were moving them around and sending all these different messages and stuff like that. And obviously now we know that's not true, at least not in the way they interpreted it. So I think in some ways it's more of like an explanation of things that we don't understand than like, than it arising out of fear um, for what lies beyond the grave, I guess. And I think the other um, way it develops is sort of as, I guess, a motivator, like people like to use it as sort of a justification for, to give their own life meaning. Like you, I think you can kind of, if you really don't believe in an afterlife or any higher power of any sort, you kind of get this existential dread about like, okay, I'm, I'm here for no reason and nothing I do matters. Like, like if I were to die today, nothing would change in the universe. And I think the concept of an afterlife sort of takes the edge off of that a little bit and helps you to give your life a little meaning, especially when people say things like, if you live in a certain way morally, then you're going to go to heaven or hell, things like that serve as good motivators for what actions you should be taking in your life. I think it, that people just use it more as a way of guiding their own existence and giving it some meaning than, than out of fear, I guess. So they're kind of similar, like what you and I are saying. I just see it as less of a thing of fearing what's beyond the grave and more of like trying to give your current life a little bit of meaning. Ben, do you have any thoughts on your own question there? I just wanted to, I feel like I might edit my, my initial, um, I guess, like, opinion on it. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I could, I'd almost consider just the, like, natural transition and, you know, decomposition of, you know, material and energy and then, you know, absorbing back into the earth and then creating new life from that. I almost feel like you could consider that a type of reincarnation even if I don't, I don't know if there's any like soul attached to that. Um, but I feel like just the idea that once you like, like 
I feel like it's almost comforting in the sense that once you die, even if there's nothing for your soul afterwards or your consciousness, your energy is still being like recycled and put to use in other organisms or like part of or like you know basically other organisms um i don't know i feel like that's kind of that's almost like immoral like or not immoral but like that's i don't know that's kind of like an ideology i guess i don't know it's both beautiful and also slightly uncomfortable to think about it that way but yeah i know what you, yeah. you're saying <laughs> i think i kind of do i'm kind of weird about this issue because i know i feel like through the course of this episode we've sort of been taking the perspective of like well if you think logically it doesn't make sense that there's an afterlife barring obviously like conservation of energy and those things like we talked about before and i do feel that way like if you take the most logical path it leads you to saying there's no afterlife we just sort of emerge as a physical system and then die and we are no more but i don't know how to put it other than it's a lot of fun to think you have more meaning than you actually might and on earth and you sort of like look around you think okay like there's all this beauty around me there's like all these trials and tribulations in human history and you think like we have you sort of i guess that's kind of like a human flaw is that we think we're more important than we are but you kind of have to feel like you're part of a bigger story in the universe and i know like logically that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but it's sort of hard to abandon that like gut feeling you have that we are here for some reason and that we do have a bigger meaning than we might give ourselves credit for I guess, uh, Nolan, you kind of actually touched on this a little bit when in your last point before this one, and uh, you kind of brought up the idea of whether your actions and um, morality have an effect on your existence in the afterlife, and if either of you have any initial thoughts on that. Well, I was just going to kind of say that sort of, I guess I was getting at that a little bit, that I think if there is an afterlife, it does have a lot to do with the human experience and like what we feel and what we do on Earth, because if you want to look at the like human history as this big story that must be a part of some divine uh, course of events, I think you don't really get to just like say everyone gets a clean slate after they die. I think if the afterlife gives your life meaning, like I was saying it did before, then I don't think you can separate the two and say like, oh, well, nothing you do on earth matters in the afterlife. I'll try to phrase that a little better. I guess I'm saying like, I don't think you can completely separate the two. I don't think it's like you just magically become some other entity after you die and you take another form. I think, at least to me, it logically would make more sense that there's a connection between the two and that what you do in your time on Earth affects your life uh, after you die in some way. Yeah, that's. it's always interesting looking at like the uh, reincarnation cycle and seeing like, oh, good karma, you move up and the reincarnation cycle cast i guess and if you have bad karma or you do bad things in your life you end up with i guess a lower life form i mean sometimes you could end up as an animal plant bacteria and i guess that really like makes sense but i guess logically speaking it would make sense if what you did in your current life and what happens after wouldn't really have any relationship I guess what I'm trying to say is just like thinking about like everything that relates to science and I guess going back to the uh, recycling of energy and matter, it's unlikely that your consciousness and I guess if we bring in spirit, although like we were saying, we can't understand spirit, but I guess if we bring in consciousness and we know as of what we know right now, it can't be transferred from like 
one dimension to another dimension. So if that's how afterlife works, I mean, there's so many factors that would have to come into play. So it's really hard to know. But my initial thoughts are just that what you do in your current life have no effect on whatever happens after you die. Yeah, I'll say kind of to refute my point a little bit earlier, I guess. Um, I don't think that I think if your morals do affect the your afterlife in some way, I highly doubt that any system like similar to heaven and hell is the way that manifests itself because like in that system, it implies that everyone lives on the exact same moral code. And there's like, like in the Bible and other things, there's a set of rules. And if you follow them, you get to go to heaven. If you don't, you go to hell. But if you think about, especially now with like a global society, there's morals are such a gray area. Like we have so many debates about things like the death penalty and like abortions and all these different issues that nobody can agree on what's right or wrong on earth. So I highly doubt that there's some authority in the afterlife that says like, okay, well, you broke X, Y, and Z rules, which means you go to level four of the afterlife or something. I really don't think it's that similar because I think that makes it too black and white and morals really aren't black and white in that way. Um, What I will say is that I think if you track like the history of religions, um, they all seek to do the same thing, which is like explain explain human history and your own existence in the context of a bigger story which includes an afterlife so i think in that sense an afterlife is based on morals but only in a way of like making human existence better i guess like we're still we're on the pursuit of sort of a utopia i guess and i think if you look at like things in the bible like genesis like tells the story of human history and you can see where it like i'm kind of going off the rails a little bit here but you can see where it lines up with events that have happened in the history of the earth. And same with like, like you said, like Buddhism, that to me is sort of like just an observation of the world. And it's like people thought up a logical way of connecting it to something bigger than them, which would include the afterlife and different gods and things like that. So I think that if morals are to affect the afterlife in some way, it's in a way that we wouldn't really be able to understand because all religions tell a different story of human existence so I think when you put everyone on a different playing field and consider different things moral or immoral, I don't see how that could possibly uh, transfer over to the afterlife. Yeah, I guess um, I, I'm trying to like wrap my head around what the afterlife would look like if one existed. But I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like any sort of like stimulated um, experience after you know, uh, death, I feel like that would be more of an individual thing. Like, I, I, obviously, this is all theoretical, so saying I find it hard to believe is kind of, I don't know. Oxymoronic. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like it'd, it'd be difficult to see how it would be such, like, a connected afterlife. Like, I feel like if anything, it would be some, storm, some sort of, um, you know, individualistic, uh, you know, stimulus or whatever. But at the same time, that's kind of refuted just by the fact that, you know, we know that brain activity ends like very shortly after death. I guess you could argue in that case that there's a whole idea of like, you know, like when you're dreaming, how time, like if you dream for five minutes, it'll seem like much longer. I guess you could argue hypothetically, if we're already going the hypothetical route, that in those like few instances after death where the brain's still active, for a little bit you could almost warp that into like a much wider time so you can almost warp that into like an afterlife itself i guess 
But, so but. you're bringing Inception into this. That's what you're doing. <laughs> no, no, it's not even the same thing. I'm just, you know, but like, you know what I mean. <laughs> so I have a question, I guess, for you guys. What do you think about? I think if the morals, if your morals on Earth were to be, and your actions were be to be connected to the afterlife, what do you think about people's capacity to change? Like, for example, like in Catholicism, it's just that if you accept Jesus. Um, and his teachings before you die, you go to heaven. And I mean, I'm oversimplifying that a lot, but <laughs> for lack of a better term, like if you ask for forgiveness and like truly repent for your sins, you sort of get to go to heaven. But do you think that's true? Like, do you think, say you were to live to age 80 and for 79 years, you were a terrible person and you did horrible things to people. If you were to accept some higher power and like realize what you've done was wrong just in the last year of your life, do you think that like erases the things you've done? I guess uh, I. Oh no, you can go. No, I was just gonna make a joke about after, as soon as I was born, the first seventy nine years of my life were filled with rampages. But anyway, <laughs> then you can go. I I was still thinking. I was I got distracted. I think that no, I think the point you brought up earlier about like how human morals are like societal right and wrong changes so often that it'd be impossible to extrapolate that to a afterlife. I think that really, I think that's a very valid point and that it'd be, it'd be weird to like, if you're in the afterlife for a while, because obviously like morals change on earth over time, you know, like the whole like, you know, slavery as an example. Um, obviously there were a couple people even in the you know 1800s or whatever, there were abolitionists, but for the most, it was a wide, it was, it was widely accepted as it was widely yeah. accepted, despite how morally wrong it is looking back yeah. on it. Right, and if someone, and obviously some people today that are considered you know morally good way back then would probably have gone along with it just because it was such a widely accepted thing. So I feel like it's weird to think about if someone got into the afterlife in the eighteen hundreds. How that? How would they evolve to now? You know what I mean? Because would they still be? I guess that's your. That was your question all along. Yeah, okay. I know. I know I what guess you're saying. I'm kind of arguing that that'd be kind of difficult to, like, I guess answer. Yeah, like you're talking within the context of progressivism, and it's sort of like like a comedian I was listening to on Netflix. He says like, "Yeah, you're the most progressive generation, but every generation before you is also the most progressive generation." Like morals have yeah. i don't know, like i don't want to say like improved over the course of humanity because obviously some things have remained constant and bad things still happen but i think generally like a lot more people are tolerant now and uh, more accepting of other cultures and other uh sexualities whatever than they were 200 years ago so yeah i don't think that it would be fair i don't, don't want to call it fair but like i don't think it makes sense that you would somehow like take a person who is morally considered good in the 1800s and then put them side by side with a person who's morally good in the 21st century and say like, well, they were both good for their times. So that's where I kind of uh, don't think that whatever you do on earth has a direct influence on your standing in the afterlife, because that just doesn't seem like it would be an efficient system. No, that's just like interesting to me because it's like, are our morals ever going to be perfectly moral? And so like, there's no way of like, ever knowing who is going to be say your morals do play a part in what afterlife you end up in and how good your afterlife is and i just feel like there's no way of actually being able to know what is right and what is wrong especially if like 
say there is a divine power that's in charge of deciding that, how would anyone be able to like actually understand what that divine being is, believes? I mean, I guess there's the people who are thought of as prophets or have some kind of direct communication to God or whatever um, deity they worship. And even at that point, though, like I just feel like it's impossible to understand something that powerful if that's the case it's so hard to understand something so powerful as mere humans yeah i think you also if you want to think about like religions like say calvinism that believe in predestination then it's kind of weird that you would say if that say that were to be true how would you have an afterlife based on morals when like a higher power already decided what you were going to do in your life like how would that possibly be fair like say you were to the higher power kind of deals you a bad deck of cards and now you're eternally doomed to heaven or hell because you did something wrong, which you had no control over in their eyes. So I think that when you have a religion like that, that even more so like um, tilts the scales in a bad direction, I guess that you would say, okay, well, their morals, if you think about it from another religion's perspective are already predetermined. So how could you possibly connect that to the afterlife and put everyone on the same playing field to say whether or not you're a good person? I think we've, we've kind of been a little bit redundant here, but we're reaching the point that morals are so fluid and just society as a whole is so fluid that it's impossible to say that the afterlife would be um, connected to your how moral your actions were on earth in some way. I guess I'll just end with a, a um, point that if, if an afterlife connected all of us, how would we even like like talk with each other? Because like obviously with all the language barriers and stuff, how would a power... Um, kind of group us all together but that's a question for another day universal translators oh yeah okay they just have google <laughs> they have google translate yeah, google translate is <laughs> the most trustworthy translator in all of the cosmos Thank you for tuning into the Transcendental Club. I hope you enjoyed this episode about the afterlife and maybe understood your position in Earth and the afterlife a little bit better through our help. I hope you listen to all the future episodes and I hope you enjoyed this one.